0: absolute sports betting degeneracy
2: hey everybody arch here and it is monday night and i've got a very special guest with me i haven't heard from him in a while chris what's going on chris
3: oh it's great to be back with the uh, degenerates thank you and i okay. hope you're all still uh staying above board with the betting and keeping the wives happy oh
2: yeah yeah we can't piss the wives off otherwise the whole thing comes no, crumbling it, down, it comes, down
3: Yeah, crashing down and then we're betting at the penny slots <laughs> yeah exactly
2: I can't even afford to max bet a penny slot some days, I think. So.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. So, yeah, you're the baseball guru, the baseball brain.
3: Uh, well, I appreciate that. I, I, I've been called worse things.
2: Yeah, you have been, I'm sure. <laughs> Probably just worse things today. Um, yes. Uh, so you... you Let's recap who you are for everybody who may not have you know listened to the old episodes. What's wrong with you? Sure. But-
3: so yeah, you know, there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot wrong with me. So we don't have we don't have that much time. <laughs> uh, but what I can say is that I write for Baseball Almanac, and as a hobby, I enjoy really diving into the statistics in a way that really isn't done um, even with modern saver metrics. And so I came up with a run estimation formula, uh, predicted outcome runs two last year. You can find it on the Baseball Almanac blog. And what I've done is teased out um, 43 separate variables to get the most accurate runs estimation producer ever. And it covers every run ever scored from the beginning of baseball, 1871, all the way through 2021
2: pretty comprehensive.
3: It's it's quite comprehensive to a point where my wife asks me, "You're doing that again."
2: So. <laughs> oh yeah, they don't understand. Wives don't understand. No, no. Oh. I sent
3: her off on a on a girlfriend trip this weekend so that I could uh, have this time. <laughs> Very
2: good. Very good. All right, so let's uh let's get to it. You have some theories about how this season might uh might end up looking by the by the end of it. Right.
3: absolutely you know i I think that we're going to see a couple of things happen we're going to see a, a lot of the tried and true familiar teams continue to to be there we're going to see some new faces by and large because we have mm-hmm. you know two additional uh, playoff spots which is going to open not just the door for those teams but other teams to compete so I think that'll stretch out when you'll see trades happen uh, but you know where I really see things getting interesting is about the middle of the playoffs.
2: Okay. Okay. Well, let's let's talk about that. Who, who do we like in the American League here?
3: Sure. In the American League, I like the Blue Jays in the East. They did win 91 games last year, so it wouldn't be a shock to have them go ahead and push over that hump. The biggest reason I like that is uh, I look at their uh, run differential and averaging that out over several different projections. They're, they're looking at a run differential of around 120 runs. Wow. So that, that's just tremendous.
2: Wow. Uh, I like it. They're going to topple the Yankees, huh? They're going to take over. I think so.
3: You know, the Yankees have a, a run differential of around 110. And so it's not like they're going to be, you know, wildly different. In fact, in my projections, I have them both at 92.6 wins and – I still think that the Blue Jays are going to find a way to, you know, even if they were to come in at the same win total, they're going to find a way to to get that tiebreaker. Which oh. we're going to have tiebreakers within the season this time instead of having those tiebreaker games as a one sixty three
2: starting this year. Gotcha, gotcha. A uh, little spoiler alert: I am going to take Toronto to win the division tomorrow morning too. I already locked that. Okay, in. I have that locked in. Smart man. There's a, there's some there's some smelly stuff going on with the line if you if you delve into it a little bit. Uh, the Yankees pro- were projected to win ninety two and a half games at mm-hmm. some of the sports books. Toronto ninety one point five games. Mm-hmm. But then you flip over to the division odds, and Toronto was plus one seventy to win the division, but the Yankees were plus one eighty four.
3: You know, it's a, it's about the money. Uh, yeah, I mean, right. you you and you and your yeah. listeners know that it's about where they need the money to line up for the, the those season long bets.
2: They're definitely trying to incentivize a little Yankee action right there. So mm-hmm. tells you something. All right, so we've got AL, Toronto.
3: Yeah, yeah Toronto. Toronto. And, and in the Central, we still have the White Sox. That's, that's really winning a, the, the, the best pillow fighter in a pillow fighting division, um, which is hard to swallow as a Royals fan, but the reality yeah. is that's what the American League
2: Central is. What, what do you think about the Twins? They've made some, some pretty impressive moves. Do you, there's no chance they're going to threaten the White Sox?
3: I don't think that they'll threaten the White Sox. I think the Twins will be one of those teams that if they can be – 10 12 games above 500 by the all-star all-star break break, they're going to be happy to finish above 500 i just don't think that they have the pitching to keep up with everything that everyone seems to think as a matter of fact they only are projecting out at about a 25 runs uh in the run differential
2: okay okay so don't put your your too many hopes on minnesota exactly well i i blew that bet then okay so (laughs) (laughs) moving on who's going to win the west the West, unfortunately, will be the
3: Astros. If you're an Astros fan, I'm sure you're excited about it. It's not going to be with the level of success that they've seen in the past. To put it in perspective, last year they had a, a plus 205 runs. They're projected around a plus 66 runs right
2: Oh, now. wow. That's a big drop-off.
3: It's a huge drop-off, and they are uh, they're going to be the benefactors of – you know, two teams in the West just absolutely tanking in the Texas Rangers and then the Oakland Athletics. So Oakland is going to be in a full rebuild here.
2: They've already tanked. The, the, the tank has begun with Oakland. Hasn't?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. They've sold off pieces and, and they're looking to, you know, pull a Billy Bean and rebuild for two or three years from now.
2: So I laid a, muscle, a, l- a little bit of money on Houston to finish under 91 and a half wins. With you mm-hmm. talking about that run output that they're going to have, that run differential. Is that, a, is that a good bet or a bad bet what do you think
3: I think it's a good bet right now the average projection puts them around ninety wins so if you take all five of the uh, sites that I use, which is two sports books and three projection sites, then you know they 're averaging out to ninety wins, which would come in right around under that and then if you look at their you know average run differential sixty six runs of you know in the plus column I, I think that they're gonna be in that eighty eight to ninety win range.
2: Okay, okay. Um what about the Angels? We can we can start talking about wild card teams. I know you have something to say about the the Angels. Absolutely.
3: I do. I, I see the Yankees, just to you know, kind of start with the wild cards, okay. I see yeah. the Yankees as the, the number one wild card. Jumping to the team you want to talk about, the Angels, I see them as the number two wild card. I will tease a little bit about the second topic we're gonna to talk about for pitchers and say that if Shohei Otani can get a little bit more split action, uh, really focus on that pitch. He is absolutely dominant with that pitch. We'll touch more on that later. So yeah. I, I see the Angels also benefiting from a weak west.
2: Okay. So the Angels, I took them over 84 and a half.
3: I think that's a smart play. I think they get the second wild card. And I think the Red Sox come in with that third wild card. The Red
2: Sox are you- going to sneak in. So it's going to be an uh, AL East-centric uh, playoffs again. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely.
3: And, and I, I think the AL East is – at least on paper going into the season, the strongest division on paper.
2: What about Seattle? The books have them a lot of times neck and neck with the Angels. you think they're going to fade?
3: So the uh, interesting thing is that I project them in the 82 win range and that they actually have a negative nine run differential.
2: Ooh! So they're going to they're do what Seattle likes to do and have a kind of a... <laughs> kind of a, a high luck factor that's the word i'm looking for
3: absolutely a high luck factor and then when you factor in that they'll probably be there you know two, two-thirds three-quarters of the season mm-hmm. i think they're going to just fade at the end and you're going to see the angels finish closer to a, a plus 50 run differential
2: nice okay so we got the a, the american league locked up what about the national league yep.
3: national league this is going to be very dull so uh, i'm sorry to tell you it's going to be <laughs> braves brewers and dodgers so if you haven't heard that before you haven't been paying attention.
2: <laughs> it's kind of what we expected uh, about Absolutely. the, about the Braves. I took them over the 91 and a half wins. Is that doable?
3: You know, I'm, I'm putting them at 91 six. So oh I'm, I'm right on that. Yeah. Um, now the interesting thing is that they do have an average run differential of 110, but I see the NL East, which was the worst division, you know, strength wise in baseball last season, they're going to jump up to the number four spot. So the that entire division is going to get stronger and we'll see a little bit more of that when I talk about the wild cards. Hard
2: hard for them to get much worse, huh? <laughs> as far as uh, yeah,
3: yeah, hard to get worse than, than last place.
2: Yeah. So Brewers continue to dominate the central. St. Louis has no chance to catch them.
3: You know, I don't see it. Uh St. Louis looks to be 20 25 wins under water this year. Ooh. Not Uh, wins. I'm sorry. Runs. 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 Okay. Yes. Yeah. They look to be a 500 team. About 20 to 25 uh, runs underwater.
2: Yeah. And no chance. No chance. The Padres or Giants make any kind of uh, threat to the Dodgers.
3: You know the Padres are going to be that. uh, You know what was it? Lithuania in 1992 and the uh, men's basketball in the Olympics. They're going to be so thrilled to get second place in the uh, in our West. (laughs) They're going to take that silver medal and run with it.
2: Gotcha. All right. What about the wildcards in the National League?
3: Sure. So I've got the Mets as the one, the Padres as the two, and the Phillies as the three.
2: Really? Mets? Everyone is jumping ship with uh, you know the injury news coming from New York. That doesn't bother you? doesn't scare you?
3: You know, the Mets are, are deeper than people give them credit for. Um, that entire division, even though that division is sort of going to be a little bit more competitive top to bottom, I think that what you're going to see is... Uh, The New York and Philadelphia squads are going to be the two better of the four remaining teams underneath the Braves. Miami will improve, but not enough to to really threaten. And then Washington is going to be the Expos bad. I mean, we're going to be thinking, oh, goodness. (laughs)
2: <laughs> they might be heading back to Montreal. Is that what we're saying? Exactly. Okay. I took the Phillies over 85 and a half. What do you, what do you make of that?
3: Yeah, that's a, that's a safe bet. You know, I've got them at 86 wins and 60 runs uh, in the plus call. Okay.
2: Okay. All right. So we got all the, we got all the players on the board. We know how you think the postseason is going to line up. Yep. How's it going to play from that point?
3: Sure. So with our wild card series this year, it's going to be different in that the top two seeds uh, from each league are going to get a, a, a buy, which yeah. is yeah. something new for baseball. So we're going to see the Blue Jays and White Sox getting a buy in the American League and the Braves and uh, uh, let's see. I'm sorry, the Brewers. And no, I, I was right. The Braves and Dodgers, forgive me, uh, in the National League side. So we're going to have Houston, Boston. On the uh, American League wild card Mm -hmm. and the New York Yankees and the Los Angeles Angels as the other American League wild card. Okay. Then on the National League side, we're going to have Milwaukee versus Philadelphia and San Diego versus the New York Mets. So this is where it gets interesting. Yeah. The playoffs do not recede after the wild card. So the um, number one seed in each league plays the winner of the 4-5. What we have is in the playoffs, we've got wild card one, wild card two. That's 4-5. And then we've got the lowest division winner as three and the lowest wild card is six. So 4-5 is one wild card. uh, Three-six is the other wild card. So 4-5 winner goes to the top seed. That's going to be Toronto against the New York Yankees. And then in the other uh, division series, we're going to see the Chicago White Sox against the Houston Astros.
2: Okay. So they, they, okay, I got you. They escape. All right. Well, how does the division series play out then?
3: So that's going to be, that's going to be your division series on the American League side. Okay. Your division series on the National League side, you're going to see that San Diego got through and you're going to see that Milwaukee, Milwaukee got, got through. through. Okay. Yeah. So you'll have a really fascinating Atlanta-Milwaukee rematch. And you're going to have the Dodgers just beating the tar out of the Padres, which you know. Hey, congratulations! To you won a wild card series, San Diego. You're going to get a consolation prize by getting to watch the Dodgers pump. <laughs>
2: They'll be used to that all year.
3: Absolutely.
2: <laughs> all right. So we have that lined up. What's the uh, league championship look like?
3: The league championship is going to be the Blue Jays over or against rather the uh, Houston Astros. And I do have the Blue Jays beating the Astros, but I I sort of think that one is going to be a stretched out series just because this is going to be, you know, new territory for the Blue Jays. You know, the Astros have been there so many years that they're going to be able to, I think, rely a little bit on, you know, some expertise and and just some of the, we've been here, we know what to do.
2: Yeah. Right, right, right. As long as it doesn't involve video cameras and Trash cans.
3: Absolutely video cameras trash cans and uh, guys on second base doing funny
2: things well guys on second base that's okay you just can't use electronic surveillance right
3: that's well oh, yes that's true that's true it is legal but uh, I'm sure that Houston will find a way to push that
2: envelope. <laughs> That's always been such an annoyance to me. No, teams are still stealing signs. Everybody. They're just not using the electronic surveillance. anymore. Absolutely. You
3: know, what's funny is uh, I coached uh, high school baseball and I uh, was stealing signs. uh, As a matter of fact, in high school baseball as a coach, that's how competitive I was. And uh, (laughs) I got beamed with the ball when the uh, pitcher threw it over to uh, first base. And I had been watching the catcher just trying to read his signs. I just got clocked at the ball, and no I joke. was done trying to steal. Yep, yep oh, wow. I was done stealing signs that night.
2: <laughs> All right, so Toronto's in the World Series. Yep. Who may who? Did the Brewers survive? Did they have a chance?
3: The Brewers Brewers are, are lucky to get back to the LCS here. The Dodgers just steamroll them. I don't even see it going past five games.
2: Oh, that's too bad.
3: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> World Series, we're going to see the Dodgers over the Blue Jays. It, I can't even begin to, to know what that series will look like at this point. But if I have to pick today, I, I'd be a fool to pick against the Dodgers.
2: It's the Dodgers. Their payroll, they're, I mean, they're so deep, so talented.
3: Oh, absolutely. And, and the, their average run differential that I'm seeing across the board is 155 runs. Wow. And there isn't anybody within 30 runs of that.
2: And so unless something just mind-bogglingly catastrophic happens, in the Dodgers.
3: That's that's where it is, you know. So they've got they've got money, they've got talent, they've got experience. It's going to be hard to stack up unless you can just get some some funny things happen. Now, having said that, the Braves last year, you know, they got hot at the right time as everyone knows. It's important for your listeners to know that the Braves were the the team in the playoffs with the what was it? The, the eighth, ninth best uh, record going into the playoffs got hot. So we, we can see those things, but we certainly wouldn't bet that on the preseason.
2: I buried the Braves. I thought with that pitching staff, there's no effing way. No way. Yeah. Yeah. But,
1: so I, I was I was shocked. Yeah. Guess who's back? Back again. My bookie's back. Tell a friend. That's right. DGN's proud to say that we're once again being brought to you by my bookie Anywhere, use the promo code DGENS to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today.
2: Uh, so, any in your mind, is there any like surprise teams we should like? San Francisco kind of exploded, came out of nowhere. Are we expecting to see anybody like that in, in, in the in baseball this season?
3: I think I don't know if surprise is is the right word for the Padres. I, I think it's a return to what we thought they would have been. So I think the Padres could threaten 90 wins. And, and for them, that's a really good season. You know, Again, I don't see them going all the way and beating the Dodgers for the uh, division. I think you'll have some some really intriguing matchup games throughout the season. But I, I think that's about as close as we're going to get. Uh, a number of teams really hit the reboot button. Yeah. And you can see it in the projections. And it, it, it's fascinating that with the exception of a handful of teams at the very bottom, three, four teams... We have about 20 teams stacked right into a 10-win range.
2: So I mean, it could be fun to watch if it wasn't yeah, for the Dodgers. To, yeah.
3: Absolutely. And, and I think that's going to be the, the, the key is that the, the thing that will make baseball fun is going to be for those teams that, that have a chance to get, get that extra wild card spot. Their yeah. fan bases are going to be you know, energized throughout the season.
2: It's fun to have baseball to talk about every day when your team has a legitimate shot.
3: Absolutely. And uh, that team would probably not be our Kansas City Royals, but you never know.
2: Uh, The Royals, they just, they value uh, nostalgia a little too high for my tastes.
3: (laughs) Are you talking about Zach Greinke returning?
2: Yeah, I'm talking about Zach Greinke returning.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. So would he be a liar or a crybaby?
2: I don't know. You know, Yogi Berra said all pitchers are liars or crybabies.
3: Absolutely. I think Zach used to fall into the crybaby category he did, but back he did. the first time around.
2: He got a little help. He got a little mental help. He's a little tougher now. He so he's probably just he's a, a liar
3: tougher. now. He's just a liar at this point. Yeah,
2: right. <laughs> well, speaking of pictures, I guess this is a great segue. You sent me a mountain of data that I can't even begin to comprehend.
3: Absolutely. The fun thing about that data is I'd say it took about fifty hours oh to do God. data entry. There is no single source to um, Find this data. And, and so you are taking information from the baseball savant, which is on MLB.com. That's their stat cast uh, uh, data. And then you're taking information from you know any of this the, the standard clearing houses. You know, I like to use baseball reference. And so then you're combining that. Having said that, you have to combine it for each pitch type, and then you have to plug in all of that data as it would match up to their clearinghouse data. So it's about 16,000 hand entered data cells that nice. I did over the last week. So uh, my wife was not happy. I sent her on that trip so that she could go and get happy and, and let me do this interview tonight.
2: Yeah, right. So, okay. So what what's the goal of all this data that you've assembled? Looking at all the different pitchers, sure. pitch types and pitchers?
3: It started as a question for me of what is the most effective pitch in baseball? And then it became who throws the, the most effective pitch the most effectively? And so we, we sort of have these, these ideas about what pitches tend to um, dominate and which pitches you know, are sort of your, um, they're your go-to if you just need to get a strike. And so I think that the obvious go-to if you need to get a strike is a fastball and the, the data really supports that. Pitchers uh, on the fastball have a 791 OPS, which is, that's, that's not good. And that's looking at 286 pitchers that accounted for around 65% of all of the pitches thrown. So, mm-hmm. you know, if we say the top 300 pitches, top two th- or two-thirds of all pitches thrown, and, and those guys are, are throwing at a 791 OPS clip. So that's that's not great. Uh, we jump over to the change, and the change has an OPS of 676. So that's already over 100 points better. So there, you, you can see that the change is a is a is a much more effective pitch. Mm-hmm. We look we look at the curveball, and you know curveball. We would think you know there's been some great curveball throwers throughout the years. So that's going to be a very effective pitch, and it, the data you know proves that that's the case. The 604 OPS and we can jump to the cutter now the cutter we tend to think of the cutter as a really dominant pitch unfortunately Mm -hmm. the data just does not you know really share that absolutely in fact the cutter with the pitchers that i examined comes in at a 767 ops so uh, a little bit better than your standard fastball but certainly nothing that you would be excited to to say oh you know well my pitchers are throwing a cutter now there are are a handful of, of key exceptions to that but it is not the dominant pitch. So that is we, that just
2: our Moni, Mariano Rivera bias in our heads to say the cutter so dominant? Absolutely.
3: It's 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 a guy like, you know, Rivera, it's a guy like Wade Davis, and that's really what's fascinating is when we look at some of those there's there's a handful of starters, but then there's a handful of key relievers that have thrown that uh in recent memory and those are the guys that tend to, you know, stick out to us as as what made that pitch.
2: Hmm. Okay. Okay. So the
3: the slider is a yeah. good pitch, though it's a better pitch, much better. It's not as good as a curveball. It has a
2: 630 OPS. Why is this? Why, why do you think the slider is so effective? You
3: know, I, I think that anytime you can get that much movement, again, we look at uh, you know the the curve and the slider. We're getting a lot of movement. The change and the um, cutter, you're getting some movement. The change is better than the cutter. The cutter just doesn't have enough movement, especially if you're throwing that. Um, you know up in the zone
2: well you should never throw up in the zone <laughs>
3: well unfortunately we're seeing that more and more with the hitters going with the uppercut swings so we're trying to see pitchers almost outsmart themselves mm. and, and go back to pitching upstairs and and it's it's not working out to their advantage
2: i got you okay so we've got is there any other pitchers you're looking at uh,
3: yeah there there are two other pitches yeah the sinker which we've right. been told hey the sinker is great at uh, you know limiting the uh, home run well that may be true but it doesn't limit anything else it's got a 790 ops
2: mm-hmm.
3: which means if you were to sort of factor away the reduction in home runs pitchers are getting crushed on everything else with the sinker and we can also see that in the strikeout data the sinker has some of the lowest strikeout numbers, with uh, only fourteen point eight percent of strikeouts being recorded with the
2: sinker. So, if you're a sinker pitcher, they're definitely making contact with you.
3: They're making and, contact. They're putting the ball in play.
2: And so, it just and then, it becomes a defensive stat, or how good is your defense? Absolutely.
3: Okay. Well, and did they did they hit it where you ain't? Right. Right. Okay. Now, the, the the best pitch. Unfortunately, it's not thrown often enough. But the best pitch. And it's it's shockingly good. The split finger fastball has an OPS of five twenty three.
2: See that? So okay, I'm looking at your data. Yeah, yeah. I see that five twenty three. No, that's
3: yep, yep. five twenty three. That's two hundred and fifty points better than a fastball. That's astounding.
2: Is this a chicken and egg kind of thing? Is it because it's not thrown that much? They don't have that much experience with it, or is it just do you think an effective pitch?
3: I think it's a little of column A and a little of column B. I, I think that you you know if you can throw a good splitter. And so if you can't, you don't. And then hitters just don't have the opportunity to see it that much. But if you can throw a good splitter, you're gonna get that double benefit of, you know, not only being good at a pitch that is is a little harder to hit, but being good at a pitch that's harder to hit that nobody sees.
2: So should we be, you know, because we're always gamblers here, if we're looking at a day-to-day matchup and we see somebody who likes to throw the split coming up, we should give that team a second look or that pitcher a harder look.
3: Absolutely. Let me pull up Shohei Ohtani. So Shohei is not really, you know, um, known, I guess, outside of maybe some circles that really follow him closely as having a dominant split. But when I calculated his, uh, a stat that I've created called OPS Plus, which I'm shocked that it it took until this year for there to be an OPS Plus for pitchers, and and literally all you're doing is inverting the formula. I'll write about that on Baseball Almanac if if your audience wants to read about it. But Shohei has a 341 OPS Plus on the splitter. Wow. He's striking out 56% of the batters. Mm. they're slugging 100 against him. They're just (laughs) not getting anywhere. Now, the catch is that he only threw 371 splitters in uh, 2021. So if he ups that, that was 18% of his pitches. If he ups that and he can throw that splitter, you know, uh, ideally, you know, 40% of the time, I don't think we're going to see a a, a twofold increase, but I think we would realistically still see a guy with the 250 OPS plus just dominating you know, a uh, hitters.
2: No, you would think so. And that's, yeah. uh, that goes into the secret sauce of why you like the angels so much.
3: Absolutely. It absolutely does. And, and you know, they've got some hitters, but I think that they've got some sneaky, good pitchers.
2: Be good. All right. Well, that's good to know in your mind. Should we, should we look at pitch type? What pitchers are, are, t- are trending to like when we're just looking at daily matchups?
3: Uh, I think it's important to look at pitch type for daily matchups. I want your your audience to give me a, a couple of weeks to get uh, all pitch data input. So I've looked at 286 pitchers for me. Qualification for pitchers is anybody that faced 162 batters. So I've got about 125 more pitchers to get through. Yeah. On on the batter side, I look at anybody that had 324 or more plate appearances. And, and I like to have more expanded numbers than what MLB uses for their qualifiers because mm-hmm. the game has changed. We see a lot more substitute-type players getting into games. It's, oh, no it's doubt. not so much, I made a lineup card, there they are, the rest of you enjoy your time on the bench. Right. So we, you know, we, we get a lot of guys that get into the game in situations, and it's important to know how they would do. Um, so it, to me, it, it's, it is about some of those dominant guys. We, we have a handful of what I like to call... Your your powerhouse, hundred and eighty innings eaters. I, I saw nine of those guys uh, last season. Wow! Um, it's not like it used to be. No, yeah, it really isn't
2: like it used to be. Like yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, the game has changed so much. I mean, you you know, instead of just you know going out there pitch nine innings, my starters pitch nine innings, or I'll yeah. get the worst pitchers I have from the bullpen and bring them in.
3: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And and so, what you've got then is you've got the game being won or lost in those middle innings. You know, I can't tell you how many times uh, I, I tune into a Royals game and they, they may have an early lead and their lead is vanished by the, the time that we've hit that seventh inning because their middle bullpen just isn't good enough to keep up. And they're never good enough to get to the back end of their bullpen where they have their quote unquote best, you know, uh, relievers even though they probably should have used those best relievers a little bit earlier in the game.
2: Yeah, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's situational. So, so important to be situationally aware. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would like to talk about one pitcher. Oh, yeah, and let's do it. Sh- sure. So the guy I want to talk about is a Chapman. So if, if you're, audience can sort of picture Aroldis Chapman, we know him as this absolute flamethrower. The guy that hit 105 miles an hour not once, but twice in his career. Hmm. Just the hardest thrower there is. You know what's fascinating is his fastball isn't his dominant pitch anymore. In fact, it's far from it. His dominant pitch is his sinker. So he's the the rare exception that has a power sinker that turns it into something that guys just cannot hit. In fact, his OPS plus is infinity. He did not have a hit or a walk against him last season. And that was against 56. Uh, uh, he threw 56 uh, pitches against 28 plate appearances on the uh, power sinker.
2: Uh, amazing. Amazing. And,
3: and, and then if you look at a splitter, it's, it's not like it's a slouch pitch. His splitter had an OPS plus of 1596. And he threw that, uh, let's see, he threw that 111 times against 33 batters. Wow! It's crazy to think a guy that came in just being a hard thrower has uh, really turned into, you know, 10 years later, somebody that's, they're still very fast. His sinker can touch 100, uses that splitter like a change. It dips down to 90. So if he goes back and forth between those two throttling you, there's just not much you can do.
2: (laughs) There isn't. He's a freak. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's awesome. I mean, good for him. I mean, you can only live with the fastball for so long before you got to come a little, you know, got to be a little more clever. Mm -hmm.
3: You know, it's Justin Verlander said a few years ago that he didn't learn how to pitch until he got older because he used to just be a thrower. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we see that in in guys, you know, in their progression throughout the Mm -hmm. years. And maybe that's where Chapman is right now.
2: Yeah, could be. Maybe you can end up with somebody, you know, I just dropped his, his wife's name, girlfriend's name. Kate Upton. Yes. Whatever you yes. do to get Kate Upton, yes. you're doing something yeah. right. Yeah,
3: that's right. You are no uh, slouch. Yeah,
2: you're doing something correctly. So, yeah, good. Good luck, Chapman. Maybe maybe you get something like yep, that.
3: Yeah, go find your Kate Upton.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. So we talked about the season. We talked about your stats. You're going to keep compiling it until we can find some hopefully some interesting, actionable data.
3: Uh, yes. What I'm looking for is to be able to give your audience data that they can use in fantasy, but then also data that they can use in day-to-day betting. So if we kind of take the pitchers I've talked about and we think about their dominance, then we take you know, a hitter that may excel with a particular pitch and may have a struggle. I'll take our guy Salvador Perez. If you want to get Salvador Perez out, you throw him uh, curveballs, you throw him a slider low and away. And you're going to get him out. So if you can dominate with the slider, so uh, we look at the, the best pitchers to dominate with the slider. Uh, Blake Train, you know, um, threw 384 sliders last year, had an OPS plus on the slider of 582. Salvi's not hitting that ball. So those, those are some nice pieces that you can use as you go into the next day's games. If you're betting on live games, if you're playing fantasy, you'll be able to use this information there as well, too.
2: Well, very good, Chris. We got everything covered. Yeah. <laughs> you're turning into a true degenerate.
3: I, I love being a degenerate with your guys and uh, with you, and I appreciate every chance I get to talk with you.
2: Ah, it's a pleasure. If somebody wants to reach out to talk to you, what's the best way to do that?
3: You know, I've got uh, the blog that I write on Baseball Almanac. I'll have a piece going up later this week. I did not write over the uh, offseason because, uh, well, it's unpaid. And so, uh, you know, I had to uh, pay the bills another way. Uh, but I do have articles there. I've got my, my social media links in there. The easiest way to reach me is on Twitter. And if your audience follows Twitter, uh, they can follow you and follow me. Or it's mi one and that's my handle on Twitter.
2: There you go All right always good to talk to you i can't wait to talking again pretty soon i hope
3: yeah let's hope that the next time we talk that the royals are not already out of playoff contention
0: information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations under no circumstances will the owners operators or guests of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents